Good morning, and God bless you. Um, I appreciated the uh, devotional, uh, choosing your choosing your battlegrounds. It's uh, an interesting, very interesting, and a daily thing choosing our battle <clears throat> choosing our battlegrounds. So I'd like to tell you start off with a story, and. Um, and um, it's, uh, yeah, so, so there's a there's a man that was born in the 1960s in that time frame, and he was a uh, born into a conservative home, and he had um, was a creative man, a, a visionary, and um, there came a point in his life when he. He grew up and he got married and and he started having children and and uh, something began to shift in this man's life. He um, there's a lot of pressure started to happen. The battle started to happen. The um, what, where was he going to go in life? What was he going to do? And there was a lot of pressure from. Um, uh, specifically thinking in a business setting and so on. And the third son was born and he was on a, he was a dairy farmer. And the third son was born and he said, help is on the way. We're going to make it. We're going to, we're going to survive this, this crisis, this financial onslaught, this, we can't, we're not going to make it, but we have, uh, I've, yeah, this was a third, third child, and a, and it was a son. And in his specific setting, he was working for his dad, and he had, um, he had, criterias and things to meet. And his brothers would often beat him because they had lots of boys who could help him on, help them on the farm, and so on. Well, there came a a time in this man's life from that point to about two years later where his wife had conceived again and and he said, that's not my baby, which was not true. But from one point at two years, and in two years' time, it, his battle changed him that much that he, he just succumbed. And he chose to spend his life in a little walled city that he built around himself. And when faced with the decision to improve his life and to make better decisions, he chose against that because it was safer to stay. It was safer to stay in his little walled city. He... Um, in, in most forms, he basically rejected his family. <clears throat> so, I'd like to, if you want a title today, the title is Just Like My Dad. So, I'm going to finish this story later. I'd like to turn to Daniel. Daniel 9. 
I wasn't sure where to break in here, so I am going to read Daniel 9 and the verse, or then up to verse 19. In the first year of Darius, the son of Asheris, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books a number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish seventy years in the desolations of Jerusalem. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. We have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants, the prophets, which spake in thy name to our kings, our princes and our fathers and to all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces as of this day to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and unto all Israel that are near and that are far off through all the countries whither thou hast driven them because of their trespass and that they have trespassed against thee. O Lord, to us belongeth confusion of face to our kings, to our princes and to our fathers because we have sinned against thee. To the Lord our God belong mercies and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servant, servants, the prophets. Yea, all Israel have, have transgressed thy law, even by departing, that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore the curse is poured upon us, and the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against him, and he hath confirmed his words, which he spake against us and against our judges that judged us by bringing upon us a great evil. For, hath, for under the whole heaven hath not been done as hath been done upon Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil is come upon us. Yet made we not our prayer before the Lord our God, that we might turn from our iniquities and understand thy truth. Therefore hath the Lord watched over the evil and brought in upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all his works. Which he doeth, for we obeyed not his voice. And now, O Lord our God, that hath brought thy people forth out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, and hath gotten thee renown as of this day, we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all thy righteousness, I beseech thee, let thine anger and thy fury be turned away from thy city, Jerusalem, thy holy mountain, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem, and thy people are become a reproach to all that are about us. Now, therefore, O our God, hear the prayer of thy servant and his supplication and cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. O my God, incline thine ear and hear, open thine eyes and behold our desolation and the city which is called by the by thy name. For we do not present our supplications before thee for our righteousness, but for thy great mercies. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hearken and do. Defer not for thine own sake. O my God, for thy city and thy people are called by thy name. Okay. 
So do we, do we know if Daniel was a good man, a man that had a shady character? Who was Daniel and why was he saying these things? Was Daniel a righteous man? He was. Daniel was a righteous man. He had an excellent spirit. He was a man that believed in doing the right thing. He believed in doing the right thing even if his life was in jeopardy. So why was he saying this? What what was happening that that caused him to say this? It, it wasn't that he directly himself um, was was in iniquity. So I want to take the title, just like my dad, and I want to use it as a concept. And the children of Israel, for several generations, were doing just like their dad had done. And this is why they were where they were. And this is why we can read in the Old Testament time and time again that they spent time in captivity. They spent time away from home and went through very difficult times, went through a lot of hardships because they lived their lives like their dad who had gone before them. It says in several places, especially in the Chronicles, it talks about the kings. It says he did like his father. He did worse than his father. But it's also on the flip side. You could be a righteous man. You could be a right. Could follow your father when he was a righteous man, also. So why was Daniel saying all this? He was talking to God and he's saying, our fathers, our fathers have made decisions that have cost us. It's cost us to be where we are because we have not repented. We have not changed our ways. We've not amended our ways. And so here we are in captivity. Here we are in prison. Here we are suffering. We're not at home. We're not by the temple. Talk about choosing your battlefield. This was... This came to them. I'd like to flip flip back to the book of Ezra. And again, Ezra 9. And something very, very similar is happening here. Again, I want to start reading in verse 1, chapter 9. Now, when these things, well, and notice, look for similarities. Look for something. See if there's any similarities that you can pick up. Now, when these things were done, the princess came to me saying, the people of Israel and the priests and the Levites have not separated themselves from the people of the lands doing according to their abominations, even of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Egyptians, and the Amorites. 
For they have taken of their daughters for themselves and for their sons, so that the holy seed have mingled themselves with the people of those lands. Yea, the hand of the princes and the rulers have been chief in this trespass. And when I heard this thing, I rent my garment and my mantle and plucked off the hair of my head and of my beard and sat down a stonied. So if you were back in Daniel 9, you would read something similar. It's not... In Daniel, it talks about sackcloth and ashes. It talks about great mourning. It talks about, so it's not quite the same, but it's the same concept. And at the evening sacrifice, I arose up from my heaviness, and having rent my garment and my mantle, I fell upon my knees and spread out my hands unto the Lord my God and said, O my God, I am ashamed and blushed to lift up my face to thee, my God, for our iniquities are increased over our head. And our trespass is grown up unto the heavens. Since the days of our fathers have we been in a great trespass unto this day. And for our iniquities have we, our kings and our priests, been delivered into the hand of the kings of the lands. To the spoil, to the captivity, and to a spoil, and to confusion of face, as it is this day. And now for a little space Grace has been showed from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a nail in his holy place that our God may lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. For we were bondmen, yet our God hath not forsaken us in our bondage, but hath extended mercy unto us in the sight of the kings of Persia to give us a reviving to set up the house of our God and to repair the desolations thereof. And to give us a wall in Judah and in Jerusalem. And now, O our God, what shall we say after this? For we have forsaken thy commandments, which thou hast commanded by thy servants, the prophets, saying, The land unto which ye go to possess it, it is an unclean land with the filthiness of the people of the lands with their abominations, which have filled it from one end to another with their uncleanness. Now, therefore, give not your daughters unto their sons, neither take their daughters unto your sons, nor seek their peace or their wealth forever, that ye may be strong and eat the good of the land and leave it for an an inheritance to your children forever. And after all that is come unto us for our evil deeds and for our great trespass, seeing that thou our God hath punished us less than our iniquities deserve and hath given us such deliverances as this. Should we again break thy commandments and join in affinity with the people of these abominations, Wouldest not thou be angry with us till thou hast consumed us, so that there should be no remnant nor escaping? O Lord, God of Israel, thou art righteous, for we remain yet escaped as it is this day. Behold, we are before thee in our trespasses, for we cannot stand before thee because of this. Now when Ezra had prayed, and when he had confessed, weeping and casting himself down before the house of God, There assembled unto him out of Israel a very great congregation of men and women and children, for the people wept very sore. All right. So again, a similar situation. Again, it was captivity. Um, So, as I understand the word iniquity, it is a bent towards. It's my tendency, my... um, as I understand the word. So, it talks a lot about iniquities. So, have you ever, have you ever said or heard something like this? 
He's just like his dad. Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. He looks just like his dad. When he does this, it reminds me of his dad. On and on the list goes. Why, why is that? Because often, so you come out of the womb and you know almost nothing. If someone taps a baby on the shoulder, the baby doesn't know what that means. The baby is taught that. If someone taps you on the shoulder, you turn around. Yes? Why? It's because it's something that's been learned. It's been something that's been, that's been caught. So the burden on my heart is, is, is that sons, learn from your dads. Don't pick up, repent for the things that are wrong. Dads, do right living. Do the right thing. Pass on to your sons the right thing so that they're learning the right things. We have a situation here where Israel forsook God and went after the ways of their fathers. It's an example example of uh, what not to do. So, I was working for a policeman, an ex-policeman, and he said to me, there was a day, he was telling me stories of when he first became a policeman, it was in the city of Sunbury, which is where our church is, and he came out with the zeal of a 20-year-old or a he was a young man. He came out with zeal and fervor. He was going to straighten the town out. Him and his friends, they were cops. They were going to bring justice. They were going to create safety for people. They were going to do all these wonderful things. And they came out guns blazing, as it were, and to fix a problem. So a few years had passed. This was back in 95 and early 2000s. And he said to me, he said, you know, the day came when I just walked away. I couldn't do it anymore. And I said, really? What? What's the... Uh, it sounds like there was a story there. He said... There was a man we would get called out to arrest, and he was not a misdemeanor, drunkenness, you know, public nuisance, etc., etc., those, those sorts of things. We would get called out to arrest this man, and so they did. But he said, all of a sudden it hit me. We got called out, and it was for his son. And he said... His son and his um, girlfriend, probably, she was pregnant with a child from the from the son. And he said, at that moment, I just walked away because he realized I cannot fix this thing. I can't bring, I can't make it better because you have a dad who's teaching his son and his son is not amending his ways. 
And now, most, more than likely, there's going to be another child in this line that will be repeating the same things. I was, I was a, kind of a, an interesting thought to me. Um, so I want to finish the story. So... Um, so my dad was the man I was talking about, and so I grew up, uh, my dad was not at home, and I suppose technically he rejected his family and chose to live in a safe place. But I want to, I want to tell you something that brought an, a deep soberness to me. I had purposed in my heart that I was going to be different. I was going to be a good dad. And I was going to be a good husband. And some time ago, I was working very hard, putting in lots of hours. And... and uh one day I came home from work and I was teasing my two oldest children and I said to them, I bet you miss me today. And they said, uh, no, not, not really. This, this is, this is kind of normal. So talk about putting the equivalent of a knife through my heart. I realized, you know, I was growing up to be just like my dad. I was not being around my family I had so in my zeal for not doing what my dad did I was doing exactly what my dad did um, so I don't want to tell you this story for sensationalism or oh your life must be terrible it's not I have a very good life um, I'm telling you this story because this is when it really hit home for me My dad, although he was not at home, enjoys uh, landscaping and he enjoys agriculture. And at two years old uh, is when um, we would have parted ways. And my current occupation is is uh, landscape maintenance, and I enjoy agriculture. <clears throat> So why am I telling you this? I carry the DNA of my father. So I cannot say it strong enough. I cannot say it with enough of emphasis. Dads, your sons are learning from you. They are learning from you. Sons, if you grow up and you realize you're just like your dad and it's something you didn't want to be, the children of Israel give an example. They repented. They said, oh, God, we're so sorry. God, we missed it. And they went back to God. They chose to go a different road. And they said, we're going to set make it right for another generation. 
And then these men that repented could teach their children how God had asked them to do. Write it on the doorpost. Talk about it. Talk about it all the time. Don't be shy when, you, when you're uh, talking about the goodness of God. The days when you came out of Egypt, when your granddad said, Oh my, we came out of Egypt. And he tells you those stories. Talk about it. Talk about God. These men that were in the book of Daniel here, well, I don't know if I think it was just Daniel there, but here in Ezra, they repented and they said, we're going to make a change. And so that's where it stopped for that generation. Because someone stood up and said, we're not going to go down that road anymore. We're going to go back to what God has commanded us back in Deuteronomy, where he said, talk about it. And when you get to a land where life is really good, be careful lest you forget that you came out of Egypt. Be careful that you forget who fought your battles for you. Be very careful. And the tendency lies within all of us to forget. Life's good. Bills are paid. Plenty to eat. Good job. Happy family. Happy family reunions. Life's good. Be careful that we don't forget and that we find ourselves drifting. We find ourselves in that place where where we're just slowly, slowly, slowly changing our course. But to contend for those things that are right, to contend for our families, that is how change comes when our families are, are serving Jesus. That's where change comes. You want to change your community? Keep your family. You want to change your town, your state, your county? Keep your family. Do the right thing for your sons and sons to your fathers. I'd like to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And again, I think we need to look a little bit at, at the concept. And I'd like to read verse chapter 4, verse 14 to 21. And not all. I just, I just want to read it for a little bit of context. I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you, for though ye have 10,000 instructors in Christ, Yet have ye not many fathers, for in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. For this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. Now some are puffed up as though I would not come to you, but I will come to you shortly, if the Lord will and will know not the speech of them which are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. What will ye? Shall I come to you with a rod, or in love, and in the spirit 
of meekness. This verse 15 is very fascinating to me. I think he's speaking to the church. But I think there's a principle here that we can we can take. For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, 10,000, do you think Paul was exaggerating? Do you think Paul was embellishing a story or trying to drive home a point here? I'll let you decide. Although you have 10,000 instructors, there's not many fathers. There's not many people that have the heart of a father. He goes on to say, follow me. Dads, can you say that? Is that something you can look your oldest son, your oldest daughter in the eye and say, follow me. This is, this is the right way. Can you do that? Can I do that? Can we boldly say that? Because we, we know we're on the right way. We're honoring God. We're living our lives for Jesus. If it's not something we can say, how do we get to a place where we can say it? How do we get there? I wonder if verse 21 has anything to teach us. What, what will ye? Shall I come to you with a rod or in love and in the spirit of meekness? Is it a good idea to to beat sense into people. Wish I could just beat some sense into their head. Wish they'd get it. What's wrong with them? What if we skip that part? What if we go to love and a spirit of meekness? What if we humble ourselves before our sons? Sons, what if you humble yourselves before your fathers? It could be really interesting. It can be an amazing thing. All of a sudden, God has room to work in that situation in a spirit of meekness, in a spirit of humility. God works in those situations. I'd like to read one verse out of chapter 16. Watch ye. Stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men. Be strong. Is there anything more exciting than a group of men moving something? And that can be a when men have a mission and they have a vision of where they want to go. Is there anything that is more beautiful than that? where a group of men are together in a chorus and their vision, the message they want to bring, and they work together, they are united to share this message. What about a, on a mission field somewhere? What can be done when men are united and they are in a spirit of meekness? Fathers to sons, sons to fathers. The power in that, I don't know that we always understand it well. 
I want to encourage us today. Fathers, pay attention. But sons, pay attention. Quit ye like men. Stand in the faith. Watch. Be strong. Strength is something we as men value, whether we want to admit it or not. We value strength. We value power. So be a man. Value the strength. Sometimes sometimes we value strength in the form of lifting heavy things or being a successful person or positions of leadership. Sometimes we value, we put that as strength. What if, it, what if it's a little more simple than some of that? What if it's the relationships with, with our families? And today I, I just specifically want to say fathers to sons, sons to fathers. Let's not be a people to make excuses. Let's fix what's broken. Let's repent. And let's do the right thing for the next generation. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit ye like men, be strong. Can we stand to pray? Father, you're good. Father, sometimes you allow us to go through difficulties. But you tell us why. You say you only chasten people that are your sons. You only chasten men that cry out to you. Because we're either a bastard or we're a son. And you say that in your word. But as a son, you love us and you allow us to Go through difficulties to bring that maturity. So, Father, I'm grateful today. I'm so grateful. I'm grateful for the difficult situations that were in my life. I'm also grateful for the, for the men and women here that face difficulty. And, Father, I thank you that it's because they're sons and not bastards. Father, you are good. You are so good to us. Father, I ask that we would be men who would change a generation. We would be willing to be watchmen on the wall. We would be willing to be like David who faced Goliath. And he said, not today, Goliath. You will stop mocking the living God when everyone else was afraid. God, I ask that we would be men like that. Whether we're here at home in our local towns 
or whether we're far away in other other places. Father, I ask that you would bless bless the zeal that men have for you here. Bless it, Father, and prosper it. Bless the relationships in the family. Fathers to sons and sons to fathers. Mothers to daughters, daughters to mothers. Bless those relationships, Father. Prosper this church. Father, I ask that this church would be one that would bring many souls from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated.